Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast September Edition. Oh, it is September now. <laughs> it is September. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Do you be playing? <laughs> Why didn't we make that our intro song on here? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty good intro song. Anyways, we're here. It's uh, Friday, um, the end of another week. Here to give you guys the MMA Weekend Preview, episode 135 of the podcast. And Dominic, as I you know, mentioned September being here, that means that the seasons are going to begin to change. I've already noticed it a little bit here in Bowling Green, Ohio, people. You know, I live in an apartment with no AC, so I could feel that temperature change very frequently. But it's been very hot for a while um, since I moved in, basically. But over the last couple of days, it's been pretty nice, pretty nice in here. So yeah. um, the leaves are going to start changing colors, Dominic. And as I've mentioned on previous episodes, football season is here. And that's such a big time of the year for us. You know, we are fight fans, but like – Football is kind of like our, you know, that is our, that was our like first love, you know. Yeah. It's uh, always has a special place in our heart, regardless of if we like it more than MMA or not. Doesn't matter. With that being said, though, Ohio's having an interesting, an interesting beginning to this football season. You know, Ohio being the state that we're from, I feel like it's only right that we comment <laughs> on the um, ongoing transgressions don't of, even know. of one Bishop Sycamore High School. Um, as you guys are probably aware, but if not, uh, there was a game aired on ESPN. Uh, ESPN does air a lot of high school football games between the school in Texas, I believe. Yeah. And then uh, Bishop Sycamore, which is uh, a supposed school in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, supposed. You, yeah. you heard that right. Yeah. Um, the team from Texas uh, destroyed Bishop Sycamore. And then it kind of turned out in the middle of the game, they sort of realized the the people, the announcers for the game, the ones that were broadcasting the game live were saying, you know, the roster wasn't right. You know, the players that were on the field weren't the, the roster that they were given wasn't correct. Um, basically they figured out kind of mid broadcast that the school was kind of a sham. And then more has come out since this game about how this isn't even a real school. No, not a real school. This is a team full of like JUCO dropouts, I believe. Yes. Uh, so people above the age of like 19. Yeah, that's right. Not even high school age Playing students. 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. <laughs> and they got their ass beat. Yeah, I think it was but, 16 of them. But let's be clear. These players are victims because I don't know if you've seen some of the takes uh, former players have spoken out about the living conditions they were put under, they were all sleeping on floors and hotel rooms. And um, they had to rob like different convenience stores just to eat and stuff like that. I mean, really crazy stuff going on here. Their coach has a warrant out for his arrest. Yeah. If you look up the address of their school, it's some apartment complex. What is going on, Dominic? How did ESPN let this happen? And most of what it's not even just ESPN. How did this system, how did, Ohio High School Athletic Administration or whatever it's called, the OHSAA, how did they let this somehow sneak by and nobody noticed? I I simply have no clue. I mean, that is all I kept saying last night when I was talking with our other friend Jordan. Like, how? How did ESPN not do enough fact-checking to realize this isn't a real school? How does the actual team, like one of the best teams, uh, high school teams in the country, 
uh, go into this game and not know that they're playing a fake school. Like I just, there's so many question marks here. And then it gets aired on TV and the literal broadcasters are like, wait a minute, I don't have number 54 on my death chart here. So so I don't know who's injured on the field (laughs) back to you. Um, So it's just, very strange all of this happened and it's got picked up by barstool and like national sport headlines this is something i need a netflix documentary on truthfully oh my god it is just it's almost too much to even believe but here we are this is real life stuff like a fake high school with like juco football player college dropouts making up a fake team going and playing one of the best teams in the country they lost it, it got put on national television i don't know i don't know I, I just – this whole system needs to be looked into because how has teams been scheduling these guys? Yeah. They played two days before this nationally televised game. Dominic, we played high school football for four years. <laughs> Did you ever have less than six days rest or six days in between games, I should say? Yeah, Did right. you ever have less than that? No. Yes. Wait. Six days? I, I, I was given like a, you know, Saturday to Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like I feel like – most of the time, you know, it very reasonable. Yeah, we never played a game, and then on, like, Sunday, we played another game. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen. So this is truly maddening, and you're right. Netflix documentary is a must. What's so interesting is one of the players who was talking about kind of their recruitment process mentioned that they were being sold on the fact that they were – the coaches had told them that they were going to be on, like, a Netflix show. They oh, were like gonna Last be, Chance You. They were going to be that – independent or not independence um the school from like season one and two they were going to be that school for the midwest supposedly and like all this stuff so they were really sold like wolf tickets for this uh for that team and man just i feel like there's a really interesting story in here i'm already intrigued by it i want to know was this coach going to get arrested like what's what's going on here people i mean but in other news, Ohio State plays uh, tonight against yeah, the Minnesota well, Golden Gophers. the day we're recording this anyways. Right, the day we're recording. So uh, you guys will know when you're listening to this or watching it. If Ohio State won, we're a couple of happy happy oh, yeah. boys. But if they lost, I owe. Sad boys. Yeah. Sad boys. So <laughs> Ohio football, just, you know, there's nothing quite like it. Hey, it's one of the best states out there for football. It is. I it say. is. So good that we got imitators. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you guys didn't come here for football. Right. You yeah. came here for some MMA. So let's get into the fight announcements, Dominic. We got a couple good ones. This one hot off the presses. I can feel under it. It's so oh, yeah. warm. Happening December 4th, two top 15 lightweights. They're looked at as perhaps the future of this division. Mm-hmm. Number 12, Brad Rydell. Number 13, Rafael Fizayev will meet in the center, and I doubt you'll be seeing either one give an inch. Um, I love this matchup. Two strikers, both are coming off fight of the years in their previous performances. Rydell and Drew Dober had an awesome fight. Fizayev and Bobby Green had an amazing fight. And coming in here, I mean, either guy can really separate themselves. I really don't know what to expect from this one. I look at it as being a very much 50-50 fight. Um, I love it. Part of me wishes that they like didn't book these guys together so soon because yeah. you could potentially be seeing these guys meet later down the line and probably a higher stakes yeah. matchup. But I get it. Like I just love the fight in general, and it's going to be a really good boost to that December 4th card. 
100%, man. I mean, is it safe to go ahead and award this the fight of the night for that card without even seeing any other fights? Because <laughs> this is a certified banger on all aspects. Obviously, two incredible strikers. They keep the pace going for 15 straight minutes. They never stop pressing forward. Rydell, you know, a world-class kickboxer with Fazayev being the more maybe well-rounded martial artist as a whole, which could play into some more interesting factors. But, yeah, I mean, this checks all the boxes. Two fast rising prospects as well. Someone's got to come out with the W. I can't wait to see who it is. Well, unless it's a draw. Uh, well, yeah. We've had our <laughs> run-ins with that on this show. But a week later, December 11th, UFC 269. Going to be the pay-per-view that ends 2021, we assume, anyways. Well, yeah. <laughs> Two top 15 women's flyweights. I will get that correct this time for Macy Barber. Who is ranked number 13 going up against number 15, Montana De La Rosa? Mm -hmm. Dominic, is it telling at all that Macy Barber beat number 14, Miranda Maverick, in her previous bout and she's still fighting back to the one fighter who was even lower than Miranda? Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people, including the UFC brass, felt Miranda Maverick won that bout. And I wouldn't be surprised if Maverick's next fight is ahead of Barber. I mean, truthfully, that's just the way it might play out. But this fight stylistically is fun. I mean, Barber is very well-rounded, aggressive on the feet, but Montana, very high-level wrestler for this uh, weight class here, and she's finally cracked into the rankings after really scratching and clawing her way into the UFC for years now. It's been from the Ultimate Fighter. So this is going to be her biggest uh, chance to really catapult herself closer to top 10. And for Macy, although she is coming off a win against Maverick and she stopped that two-fight skid she was on, this is a big fight for her here to really prove, okay, I'm actually going to come out. I can really get a convincing victory here. A lot on the line for both of these ladies. It's a pretty, pretty big fight. I like it. Yeah, it does feel like there's a lot on the line, especially for the bigger name in this matchup, Macy Barber, who had so much potential coming in from the Contender Series and looked really good early on. But ever since that first loss, it just seems like something's been missing in her yeah. game. And even though she bounced back over Miranda Maverick, it was a fight most thought Maverick clearly had a 2-1 decision over. So in a lot of ways, a lot of people look at this as like, if she loses this, that's in some ways four in a row. And at that point, I mean, she's so young. That's just the yeah. problem is like, yeah. um, you just have to wonder if maybe she just needs to, if she can't get past Montana De La Rosa, who is a very dangerous opponent to be matched up against here. It might be time for her to go outside the UFC and you know retool. Yeah, I mean that's that's been kind of my big takeaway from some of these last few fights is she doesn't seem to have like a clear point of attack. Mm -hmm. um, nothing that she feels too confident in. You know, it seems like I mean she's confident as a as a person. That's been one of the reasons she's gotten a lot of hate is because she comes off probably as a bit of cocky at times, but. On that same note, it seems like when she's in the cage, she's not a very confident fighter. Yeah. I don't see her – yes, her striking is kind of what she usually goes to, but there's nothing – there's no combination. There's no overhand or, or no – whether it's uh, punches or kicks, there's nothing that sticks out to me as like that's what Macy Barber is going to go to if she needs to pull like a rabbit out of the hat. There's right. just nothing – there that tells me that like this is what she's most confident in this is where she has defined her skill set around so i think she has to kind of find that and maybe she will here but montana de la rosa definitely does have that and we'll be looking to make that her fight so 
I'm really excited for it, though. It's a good fight to be added to that UFC 269 card. Yeah. And uh, speaking of UFC 269, well, <laughs> this gets his own headline. <laughs> Technically, we're out of the fight announcements, but, I mean, we had to talk about this as its own oh, headline boy. here. It looks like, per usual, the end-of-the-year card, UFC loves to go out with a bang. Three title fights is what we are – only one of these has been confirmed, so it's a bit yeah, risky true. to put this out there, but – we have to. <laughs> yeah, you have to. So we do have the rebooking for the women's bantamweight title between Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, number five yep. ranked bantamweight. So glad to see that. Then we have the men's flyweight title where Brandon Moreno will be making the first defense against number three ranked Alexandre Pantoja, who we just talked about not too long ago. Yep. And in your main event for the lightweight title, Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier, the clear top two lightweights in the world, will meet. And Dominic, I got to say, I mean, these are three awesome fights, but really those two that aren't confirmed yet. You know, Nunez Pena is fun. I'm just being honest, you know. It's a dominant champion. It's a dominant champion, and I don't see Juliana really bringing much to – Yeah. Uh, we get anyways, <laughs> but Moreno Pantoja is a lot of fun. I think a lot of people are going to sleep on Pantoja, but the UFC is probably going to do a great job in the lead up of promoting the fact that Pantoja has Moreno said two wins yeah. over him, but it's is that true? I only thought it was one. One may have came maybe an amateur or like tough, maybe the ultimate maybe? fighter. Or we have to do was, some digging. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have that information coming in. I thought maybe he had a draw. I know he had a draw, a couple of draws, uh, Marina, but I know he has one loss in the yeah. UFC two Pantoja. And then Oliveira Poirier is the fight we wanted to see for the lightweight title. It's finally it looks like it's going to be made. I know that Dustin was, you know, getting a little yeah. cheeky out there, making throwing some feelers at Nate Diaz, but this is the fight I want to see. Yeah, it will be a perfect fight to kind of cap off the pay-per-view year of 2021 dominic out of these three fights where 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 does your mind take you with these three i mean come on come on clearly it's barber de la rosa no i'm just kidding <laughs> um it's a poirier Oliveira man i mean that's one of the biggest feel-good title fights in ufc history two guys that you know the definition of paid in full you know dustin poirier is one of his Famous sayings, and it's both of them, right? They've scratched and clawed and fought the top competition for years in the UFC, and now they're at the epitome of their weight class, but they have to clash together, the clash of the titans, to really kind of solidify the number one guy. Because it's felt that although Oliver is the undisputed champion, I'm not taking that away from him, many have felt that it has been Poirier for quite some time since the loss, or after he regrouped from his loss to Habib. So many uh, say he's the uncrowned champ. So these two finally coming together here feels like the legitimate, undisputed, like vacated title belt. So uh, very excited for that. And the stylistic clash there, there you could go on and on for that one. But I, I'll wait until December to get into that because I'll go ramble, ramble. But Moreno Pantoja is a certified banger as well. I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun, especially the storyline there with Pantoja being victorious over Moreno in the past. But now Moreno, after his most recent performance, was the best we've ever seen him look. You know, obviously you have Nunes Pena, which we should have gotten in August. We're going to get it in December. Can Pena shock the world? 
that's the storyline there really around that <laughs> one. So either way, man, all three of these are great. You love capping the year off with a bang. That's going to come probably pretty close to when our Joey's happen. I mean, I guess we got to wait to do the Joey's until after this, but uh, December is looking like it's going to be a very fun month. That is the second time Dominic has used certified banger on this podcast, and he is sounding more and more white every time he does it. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I just uh, wanted okay, to sir. just wanted to throw you throw you a little bone there. Um, no, these fights are awesome. It's just exciting to that it seems like the fights we want to see are coming together. Yeah, especially Oliveira Poirier. I completely disagree with the notion that Poirier is somehow an uncrowned champion. I get the argument for it, and I love the support behind Poirier, especially after these last couple Conor McGregor fights. The guy's status has been elevated because of that, and um, I'm just happy to see he's getting the respect he deserves. But I don't want it to be at the expense of another guy who deserves your respect, and Charles Oliveira, who went through Michael Chandler to get that belt, a guy who – with the way Michael Chandler looked against Dan Hooker, I think a lot of people thought he might be the uncrowned champion in some ways too, but I get it. Um, I think this fight is very even on paper, um, you know, or as a, another favorite saying of Dom's, a stylistic clash yeah. that <laughs> I think it's like a very even fight. Um, so it's like, I don't really know who's going to come out on top. And really, I don't have, like, a dog in the fight. Like, I love Charles Oliveira and the rise he's had. And, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Dustin Poirier is a guy that we've all been aware of for much longer. But even since I've been a fan, I've seen the lows and highs. I remember when he got knocked out by Michael Johnson in, like, two minutes. And, um, you know, the loss to Habib was a, a tough one for him. And... But then the highs, you know, beating Max Holloway in a bout that most thought Max was probably going to win, yeah. and these Conor McGregor bouts, he's just looked so good in. And that's really, I think, the the levels that maybe have appeared between Poirier and McGregor have given people enough confidence to say that, well, maybe he is the best lightweight in the world. But yeah. there's only one way to find out, in my opinion. You can't crown the guy until he gets that fucking crown. Exactly. He's got to go through Charlie Olives to get it. Yes. yes. Um, moving on from there. Oh, boy. Here's the come down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this happened. The, so, so this headline reads, Definition of Insanity to our audio listeners. And, well, the fight we're talking about here, we're probably the last ones to talk about it. You know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jake Paul. <laughs> that's right. Jake Paul, the problem child. Just listen, folks. Listen to what is about to come out of Noah's mouth here. Defeated yep. Tyron Woodley, former UFC welterweight champion, via split decision. Which is crazy that it was a split, but I digress anyway. Now, for those of you that don't know, the definition of insanity <laughs> is – to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Or, as a tweet I had posted um, says, or or as I like, will we'll articulate here, any person who bought this shit and was disappointed or somehow upset by the quality of fighting that they got, you're insane. You're officially insane. Because... <clears throat> How many here we, times, people? Here we go. Let them know. Look, we gave this fight credit. 
and I and I deserve the credit it got because the promotional side of this fight was really good. Yeah. But that's because they had so they had they had so much work to do. I mean, let's be honest here. You had two people that have no business in this high of a placement on a boxing card. And you guys are disappointed that the boxing wasn't great. Hello? <laughs> These guys have combined going in here and for three professional boxing fights. And I mean, that's there's that's in quotations because yeah. those are all Jake Pauls, and that is not the guy that you want to put your credit on in terms of professional boxing. But I just saw a lot of people, and I'm not saying you guys as in the people, the listeners or viewers of this podcast. I believe anybody who listens or watches is probably a bit smarter than that. But I saw so many of these people. I, it's the same people every time, Dom. These people that just come out of the fucking bushes when these these YouTube fights happen or when Conor McGregor fights go down, Floyd Mayweather fights come out, all of a sudden there's just these random people that pop out and have these super just stupid takes on everything. And I just, you know, and it's even gotten so bad that at times I feel like it's infected the people that are supposed to be really respected in MMA. You know, Ariel Hawani was all over this broadcast and no disrespect to Ariel Hawani. I think, you know, that was a big opportunity for him and all respect to him for doing that. But afterwards, you know, I saw some of his tweets where he's like, Oh, did I, did I cause the like, you know, Ariel, he, he was doing the post fight interviews and based on his line of questioning, they might've set up a possible immediate rematch, which nobody wants to see. Yeah. He's the biggest and, instigator in the game. <laughs> and he tweeted like, oh, did I do that? Like, you know, this this was really fun and stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not fun. <laughs> the lead-up was pro- – the lead-up, I will give credit, way better than it had any right to be. But then once – at the end of the day, these guys had to try to live up to that in the ring. And they had no chance of doing that. I know Tyron Woodley is a former UFC champion and he has shown to have really good hands in the past, but he's not a boxer. Yeah. Jake Paul is very good at what he does. He's a very good marketer of himself, very good promoter of himself and has worked hard to at least be a, I mean, he's a, a below average, like he's, I don't know how to explain it. He's at least gotten to the point where he is a novice level boxer, which novice is still like just above beginners level. So I mean, he's he's worked hard, he's put in the time. That's clear. But I think, but the action speak for itself. This was not a good fight. It was a shit yeah. fight, and Jake Paul clearly won. Yeah, the, the split decision is bullshit. Yeah, that's also. Crazy. I'm not. We're not. <laughs> we're not going to go out on a limb and accuse anybody of anything because. That I don't want to get sued, but just saying, it doesn't look great that you kind of end up with one of the scorecards ends up being for Woodley, and then that's kind of what Woodley used to ask for a rematch. Put the pieces together, and you'll get where I'm kind of going there. I think there's boxing going to be boxing. So, yeah, Dominic, I ranted a little bit there. I want you to get, hear your thoughts. Don't sandbag me here, please. I want I want you to. So give me, give me your all. I just think it's so crazy that like, and I didn't watch it. 
um, but I was watching Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's kind of well, uh, fight I, companion it's thing. So funny, it's so funny. We didn't plan it. Yeah, we I didn't just, even talk about it until no, after either. Until after, but we both watched the same thing because yeah. I was like, I'm not going to watch it. But I was like, you know, I am kind of curious to see like how <laughs> yeah, this goes. Exactly. So the closest thing I could find because I'm not an illegal. I don't illegally stream my fights. I know people are going to call me fucking kiss ass or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, I I deserve a fucking cookie for that one, all right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I did, that was the closest thing I could find was Wonder Boys, but yeah, continue. Yeah, well, I mean, that goes to show too when you go to the promotional side of things. As much as we hated the idea of this for months, come fight night, we were like, oh damn, I kind of want to follow along and see what's happening anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. If you ever want to talk with us on the show, let me know. But uh, I watched his companion and from everything, you know, all signs pointed towards Jake Paul legitimately beat Tyron Woodley. And that's just so crazy <laughs> to wrap my head around, man. But uh, at the end of the day, they both got the bag. I, I hate all this stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it's such a – it is a big deal. This is how it is in the, the combat sports world right now with social media and everything. This is a big deal. It takes all the headlines over other things. So, you know, we do have to acknowledge it and give – credit i guess where it's due in terms of their promotional and the money and all that fun stuff it was in ohio so uh one of our yeah. friends dalton was there so i wonder if he had a good time off to check in with him about it but uh yeah the definition of insanity man I, I i don't really have too much else to say other than like keep repeating myself so i don't want to <laughs> waste people's time i'm gonna ask you a question actually before we move on i know okay. you're you're probably just no. You're fine. you're fine. I think I think you're ready to jump through the screen and kill me. For um, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, so my question is, and I saw this take brought up a lot, both sides of the coin, kind of going at it um, after this fight. Do you think because it was apparent, according to Luke Thomas, who was an, and Ariel Hawani, who were both present at this fight in Cleveland? that the the fan base that was there, the fans in the audience, they said were a lot younger than what you usually get with a lot of big boxing cards. Yeah. And a lot of credit for that has to go to Jake Paul, who for sure is a very um you know, who made his living off of YouTube prior to these endeavors he's on now. Um and he made a lot of content that has been very um what's the word? Controversial. Mm-hmm but a lot of kids have really enjoyed it. That's kind of been his or his segment of entertainment has been bought by his kids, even though I wouldn't say he necessarily makes content. That's good for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to be the judge of that. But um, regardless, the, the question that's been brought up is, is Jake Paul, <clears throat> the, these, these series of, you know, boxing fights he's had so far and, whatever might come in the future from it. Do you think that this could be good for the sport of boxing and maybe even have a, some sort of positive effect on combat sports in general? Will any of this younger fan base be retained maybe once Jake Paul is out of boxing? Like, do you think these young fans that are showing up at this fight, do you think that they might decide to stick with the sport, even if Jake Paul's not involved, or do you feel like it's a flash in the pan and that, you know, these people are only tuning in because they either want to watch Jake Paul win because they're a fan of his or they want to watch him get knocked out because they can't stand him. So what, what do you think on that issue? You know, you would like to think that some would stick around. I mean, you, you, you have to wonder going into this, a lot of people were probably there more so to see, like, again, either Jake Paul win or Jake Paul lose. 
and they get there and they're like, oh, so this Tyron Woodley guy, was he was he pretty good at MMA or whatever? Maybe they do some research, they find some footage, they're like, damn, this guy was, you know, welterweight champion, four title defenses, one of the best welterweights of all time. Then they dabble into some more UFC. They go down the welterweight rabbit hole. They find out who GSP is. And then they're like, I love, oh, I love how you immediately went to the UFC side. You're like, yeah, they, didn't to, they didn't even stick with boxing. I'm, I'm just saying because there was a UFC guy. I know. There. I'm just kidding. Um, so maybe it does help out in that aspect. And for boxing, that's, that's kind of – I feel like MMA – can cater and pull younger viewers in easier than boxing. So it may be harder for boxing to get a more positive, um, I don't know, aftermath from this than MMA. But at the end of the day, the boxer, quote unquote, did beat the MMA guy. So maybe, just maybe, there will be some positive uh, aftermath for boxing as well. I'd like to think, though, regardless of whatever side of the spectrum, it is good in a way because they are bringing eyes to combat sports at the end of the day. So surely there's something that comes out of that. So, and I will give Jake Paul credit on the, um, I don't know what the source is on this, but the, the released payouts, um, Jake Paul did actually give up a good amount of his money to the other winners and fighters on the card. So, you know, besides, uh, Tommy Fury, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But um, he did, like, he gave the the woman, I forget her name, that was in the co-main event, who was, like, really popular, or I guess in the boxing community is very good. I forget yeah. her name. I'm sorry to any boxing fans who um, are upset at me about this, but he gave her, like, an extra 500 grand. And that was on top of, I think she made, like, 50 or something to, yeah. to fight here. So um, in that way, I will give Jake Paul some credit. Do I believe that it is somehow genuinely like out of care no but at the end of the day it's benefiting these fighters who have struggled so whether or not it's for show or to just kind of keep this feud with dana white alive or whatever i don't really care as long as the people that benefit from it are the ones that provide me with the entertainment you know yeah i'm very happy and i've said this all along my my favorite part about this is that tyron woodley got probably the biggest payday of his career, which is kind of, I hate to say that, you know, I hate that that was the biggest payday that he had to go to boxing and box a YouTuber. But, you know, in MMA, he was a great champion. He's one of the best welterweights of all time, but he never really was the biggest draw as a a welterweight champion. And you can blame the UFC for that, but I think the way you saw Tyron box in this (laughs) this matches a lot of the frustrations you saw in his mma career yeah you know, the guy could be so good but then he could be so frustrating with his inactivity at times and that's really what hurt him at the end yeah that four fight skid he went on was a lot of inactivity 15 straight rounds of nothing and stuff like that so um you know this this was a circus truth truly and i don't know if you're going to get an immediate rematch here i doubt I kind of doubt it, but apparently Tyron Woodley said he'd get the tattoo of I love Jake Paul for the rematch, yeah. which I was kind of sad a little bit for that. But again, he's getting paid a lot of money to do it. So, I mean, why not try to get a second fight out of it, you know? And um, I don't really care. Like, let's say Jake Paul goes and boxes Tommy Fury next. We won't talk about it on the show. Right. We Isn't talked about it? this because of Tyron Woodley. Yeah, exactly. Because we're we the MMA care. guys. We don't care about Jake Paul, but we couldn't deny that this fight did was big 
and deserved at least some some you know shine on here. Um, do I do I like it? No, I'm not gonna watch it. You know, it's not my thing. I don't I don't like watching low level boxing like that's just not. No matter how big they make it feel, or no matter how interesting it might be going in, um, at the end of the day, it was two low level boxers, and that's basically what you got. So, if you guys paid for that and were happy with it, I mean, I don't. I feel like I was kind of like maybe mean to people. Like by all means, if you paid for this and like you weren't happy with how it turned out, but you're like, well, it was a waste of money, but oh well, that's fine. Like I. I get it. You might just want to, you know, a lot of people like being a part of history. And this is a, one of those fights that maybe years down the line, we'll still look back on and be like, what a weird time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I just don't like what I saw a lot of on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook of people just being, just acting like, acting like this fight was supposed to be Ali Frazier. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. guys, come on. How many times, like when I when it was the Askren fight, I saw a lot of the same thing. When it, yeah. Well, oh, the worst one was Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather, which we yeah. didn't talk about on here because again, no no MMA. no MMA involved in that. Yeah. But that was the worst of it, where it was like a guy who's never even won a professional boxing bout going against perhaps the greatest boxer of all time. Like at some point, there's got to be a limit to this where yeah. people won't throw their money at it. But I don't know. So far, they've. These Paul brothers have done a great job of um, extending this. I don't know how much further they can take it. I feel like a lot of people were kind of let down by this fight, and I don't really see where direction they go next. Do they get does Jake Paul go with Tommy Fury? Like, I guess that might sell okay. I don't know. Just there's a lot of weird uh, stuff around this, but I'm kind of done talking about it. So um, I'm ready to get to cleanse ourselves and get into some more. Legit MMA here. What do you say, Dom? Let's do this. <laughs> so, our main event for this Saturday, Stylebender will be watching. Number five, Derek Brunson takes on number seven, Darren Till, in the middleweight division. I really struggle. This is the most I've struggled since we started doing this kind of format of putting a headline together for this fight because I realized. There are like no similarities between these two at all. No, not at all. No. Not in their fight styles, not in their sort of place they are in their careers, not in their personality. Personalities, <laughs> not in their lead up to get to this point, nothing. There is nothing similar about the, these two couldn't are the antithesis of one another. Wait, you what? Got, what is that word? Antithesis is like the the opposite. Hmm. Essentially. Okay. Fair enough. They are the antithesis of one another. That's right. You get big words here on yes, below yes. average. We're very intelligent. <laughs> now, however, I'm still really excited for this fight. It was just really interesting because when it comes to what the storyline is here, I feel like it's all on Darren Till. Yeah. Derek Brunson has the loss, a pretty embarrassing loss at that to Israel Adesanya, which, I mean, Adesanya is Adesanya, so is it really that embarrassing? It's just – he yeah. talked a pretty big game going in and got that, that made it worse. Got shut out. That's yeah. what I mean. But Darren Till, he's still trying to kind of find his footing in this division. You know, he had the loss to Robert Whitaker. It was the last we've seen him. It was a good fight, a fight that Till had his moments in. It was very close, very technical bout. You know, not, neither guy really doing a ton more than the other, but you know, Robert Whitaker clearly won. 
but Israel Adesanya has wanted that Darren Till matchup for so long yeah. that, like, it feels like all the weight's on him in this matchup. I mean, Brunson's on a really nice run. He's looked really good over his last few bouts. been counted out a few yeah. times. Actually, Dominic was a guy that kind of batted for him in the corner when he went up against Edmund Shabazian, who now might people might kind of look at that and be surprised. But when those two – I think it was the the last card before we started doing this podcast, actually. Yeah. They were the headliners, and Shabazian was, like, the biggest prospect in the middleweight division. Um, I, I remember the, a lot of the interviews that week. Dana was having Ronda Rousey come on because Ronda's, mm-hmm. like, Edmund's manager. Um, so Brunson beat the shit out of him. And it was the same way for Brunson when he fought Holland, too. Yeah, I mean, he used that grappling to just really grind out a five-round decision and He's kind of breathed new life into his career here. So I've been very happy to see Brunson on this rise. And once again, I think he's going to be counted out a little bit here against Darren Till, who, if I'm going to be honest about Darren Till, I love him. I love Darren Till. I love what this guy brings to the table, what his potential is. But it's still just that for me. He's been a top 10 guy. He's fought for a title before. He fought Tyron Woodley. Probably Tyron Woodley's crowning achievement as welterweight champion was his performance against Darren Till. Yet I still look at this guy as being untapped potential. Mm-hmm. He is yet to really put it all together. Yes, he's been in the big moments in the UFC. He's had some big moments. He's he's still top 10 right now. He's been a top 10 guy for a long time. But I think a lot of that, I think in some ways he's currently based on his wins and losses he's had in the UFC so far, I think he's slightly overrated. But with the understanding yeah. that his potential, because I don't think his rankings and like his placement should be on potential. Yeah. I think it should be on what have you done so what have you done up to this point? And right. I think a lot of the credit he gets is based on his potential. No disrespect to Darren Till. I love the guy. I think he can be a future champion. But this fight I need to see it. And it's a tough fight with Derek Brunson. Yeah, this is a very uh, interesting matchup because of the polar opposites in their fight styles, right? Because Brunson has shown time and time again that he'll go back to the well with his grappling, and it's it's very high level for this weight class. This is truthfully a weight class where you don't see a lot of the elite grappling outside of like him and Vittori. We touched on that, I think, last week. So can Brunson utilize that here? Can he get Till to the ground? And if he gets him there, can he keep him there like he has done his you know, ladder to Holland and Shabazi and so on and so forth? And he's riding a momentum uh, high right now. Notice that he's kind of having a resurgence, and he's on a four-fight win streak here, and he's 37 years old. This guy's been in the UFC for years. He's one of like those strike force guys that came over during the transition, and he's been here ever since. And he's kind of always just flown under the radar, and he's been in the big fights, and he's lost them. But he's also had big fights and he's won. I mean, this is going to be like his seventh or eighth UFC main event. So he's really one of the most low-key, underrated guys in the UFC, but yes, has had his faltering moments. Darren Till obviously is the bigger name of these two. Um, he's the younger guy, the more hype around him. His skill set, he's the, oh, I was going to say flashy. I guess he's not a flashy striker, but he's that very accurate technical precision. But then when he lands the shot, he's got the power there to put people away too. So uh, Darren Till is always exciting. His personality makes him uh, a superstar, especially over with the United Kingdom. I mean, for heaven's sake, 
The card is taking place at 4 p.m. Eastern time to cater to the United Kingdom and their crowd there for Darren Till and some of the other uh, British and English fighters on this card that we'll get into later. So this is a really good fight. It's literally the striker-grappler matchup that you see uh, once and again. And can Darren kind of put it together here in this middleweight division? Can he keep the fight on the feet? Can he keep it where he wants it to be? Because we've seen when Brunson goes up against these guys that are better strikers than him, Israel Adesanya, even in the Holland fight, he can get caught. And when he gets caught on the feet, it can be bad, and he'll get wobbly. We've seen him be finished before. Holland was close to finishing. Whitaker the same way. So, And we've seen Darren. He can catch you, and it happens very fast. He caught Robert Whitaker when those two fought, for example. Um, But if it goes to the ground, I want to see if Darren Till has improved upon his game because, really, we've not seen Darren be tested on the ground much outside of his fight with Tyron Woodley, and that was because he got hurt and put down on his back. So can he defend legitimate takedowns? Can he get up off his back? Can he use jujitsu at all? A lot of question marks here. It's it's kind of like Till obviously is getting looked at a lot and all the promotion and stuff seems to be on his side this week. But the fight in general itself still doesn't feel like it's getting as much love as it should, if that makes any sense. But I'm very excited for this. And, I mean, there are potential title implications here because, again, style bender will be watching so uh, title implications i think for one fighter though even though Derek yeah. brunson should probably be more acknowledged as a, I, I think his loss to adesanya yeah. is still just going to be a big sticking point but it's still a big fight for him a fight that gets him just that much closer he's up he's top five middleweight right now yeah i mean i doubt i darren till could win this fight and already be in line for a title i i, I kind of doubt it because you got Robert Whitaker and now Jared Cannonier both right. kind of in line. So I would say a win here would put him in a fight with probably Cannonier. A number one be, contender. Yeah, fight. which would be awesome. But maybe it doesn't because, again, we've kind of seen that now the Whitaker Adesanya fights like on hold again. Yeah. Just it makes me, I'm just so tough. I'm almost getting exhausted waiting for that fight. Like I'm just. Like, almost ready to just move on, which, I mean, I don't like to be that way. But, anyways, with this fight, all eyes seem to be on Darren Till, but that's kind of the way Holland – or Holland, in case you can't tell who the the A-side is here. No, but that's the way Brunson usually performs at his best. These back-to-back bouts where he's been slept on, he's been looked at as kind of the the fodder in in the matchup, and he shines brightest in those moments. And – I think he's going to have a hard time getting takedowns here. I will admit, Darren, this is probably the biggest opponent Darren Till's had up to this point in his career. I mean, if you look at it, he was a former welterweight. And yeah. then at middleweight, he's fought Kelvin, Robert Whitaker, and now uh, Brunson, right? Yeah. That's Brunson's big. So Darren Till's takedown defense looked really good against Kelvin Gastelum, but Kelvin's not the grappler that Derek Brunson yeah. is, and he's near not nearly as big either. So it'll be interesting to see how Darren Till does with the size of Brunson. You, not that Brunson's like a huge guy, but he is. I mean, he's he's a he's a good sized man for this division. Yeah. And considering Darren Till got so used to fighting welterweights, I think it could be interesting to see how he fares against the size difference. Robert Whitaker didn't really test him on the ground. It was pretty much five rounds of striking. Yeah. So um, you, in that way, you're right. But his takedown defense in the past has looked really good. 
Um, I, I, I expect it to hold up because I think he'll be the faster guy here and he'll just stay on his bike and um, Brunson, will, he'll just kind of keep the jab in Brunson's face. And I think that'll really frustrate Brunson and make him kind of lunge in. And that's always been the way he gets caught in his fights. He's just not very yeah. good at setting up his striking. Um, so really excited for this one. And I think this is going to kind of carry over into the rest, but I think a big reason why this card's being slept on a little bit is just because it's been butchered. Two, yeah, <laughs> two different fights taken off and put on different cards like a week ago. So it's still a good card, which we'll talk yeah. more about some of these fights, but it's definitely been butchered a little bit. But let's move on to the rest. Let's do and it. Actually, we're going to start with Tuesday night. It's back, Dominic. It's back, baby. The Tuesday night, Dana White's Contender Series, I guess is what the official name is now. The Tuesday night contender, as I like to call it. And we saw five contracts given out among our four bouts for the first time. There was a couple of firsts yeah. on this card. First time someone who lost their Contender Series bout got a contract. Yep. And Laura Sanko on what commentary. The first woman to do color commentary for in UFC history. Funny enough, she's not the first woman to do commentary. UFC won. Yep. Was the first time that a woman did commentary for the UFC. So big night. It felt felt big because of that. Dominic, what, what were your thoughts on these bouts and any any names to look out for? Yeah, well, I mean, you know how I am with my contender series, guys. I'm so happy it's back. Ten straight weeks of it. Uh and I unfortunately don't even get to watch it on Tuesday nights now because I got to go to bed super early because on Wednesdays I got to be up at 4 a.m. to work. But that's beside the point. I'm going to watch them on Wednesdays now when I get off. It still works. Um, and they, they, all of these fights were incredible while they lasted. And then, you know, just we had A.J. Fletcher with the flying knee. Wow. That was super impressive there. Obviously, he got a contract. Uh, we had a big light heavyweight in Azamat. Mur Zakhanov. That wasn't a bad pronunciation. He had a he, he had a beautiful combination and a knockout victory in the featured bout, the main event, should I say. Um, then freaking Victor Altamirano and uh, Carlos Candelario went to war. The flyweights. That was a very back and forth fight. That was the one in which both guys were awarded contract. It was a split decision. Carlos, of course, the loser, but still gets. A contract, and I like that because, you know, maybe it is because they're both flyweights, and that division, while it has come back to life and it looks great right now, still have a very thin roster in terms of the amount of people. So now you're going to add two more very exciting guys. So uh, good on them. And then we had, you know, the kind of weird one with Brito versus Lopez, where it was a very back and forth fight, very exciting. Both guys showing a lot of, you know, good things, but then it ends with the eye poke, but then they have to go to a decision anyway. So they had to score round three, even though it only lasted 30 seconds, there was one punch landed. It was weird, but uh, overall it was a very good night of fights. And of course, again, shout out to Laura Senko making history good on her. I mean, she really has become a very integral part of broadcast for the UFC the past couple of years, uh, especially on the contender series. And not only was she on commentary, then she's doing the interviews in the octagon. She's announcing who the winners are. Then she's running back to do uh, post-fight interviews. I mean, she was doing it all. So, uh, Laura Sanko, congratulations. The Contender Series is back, and it was a very, very good first episode. I'm going to I'm gonna throw a little poo here on the Contender Series, though, for a second. Um, and not really, but just 
uh, something that I hope isn't going to be a trend this season. I like when the UFC is more selective. I'm just going to be honest. And here, it just felt like they were handing out contracts for anybody. I mean, okay, yo, Joe Anderson is it? Joe Anderson, Yo Anderson, Brito. Like, did he? Yeah. Should he really have gotten a contract? With, I mean, he poked his opponent in the eyes like four times. I mean, come on. That was just, definitely the one I was very surprised with. And I don't know how other people are going to feel. Like, I get it that that fight, um, Victor and Carlos at a war. And both got contracts because of it. But should you really be giving out contracts for a guy who loses on the card? I don't know. It just I like when they're more a little more selective. Maybe I'm just being maybe I'm being a little too harsh on it because at the end of the day, if you see the talent in someone, why not bring them in? You know. Yeah. But um, it was nice. I mean, the fights did live up. AJ Fletcher was a big standout that with that nice. flying knee. That was awesome. Um, I'm just glad I got to watch it at the end of the day. It felt good to just watch it live. I kind of forgot, like, it just, they just got announced, and it was just back. And I was like, yeah. whoa, I didn't realize it was coming on so soon. So, um, you know, it was a nice night of fights, nice to watch them. I, just, I hope that this isn't going to be a trend for the whole season because I might get a little bored if every winner of every fight gets a contract it's just right i like seeing guys get contracts i don't want to you know i hate to be that guy that's like no i want less people to get get a good living and you know i don't like to be that way but yeah in terms of you know part of the enjoyment of the show is that you know it, there is a very selective process not only do you have to come in and win but you're supposed to put on really good performance as well yeah. so there's a lot of incentive to go out there and finish fights and yeah look really good doing it so if we're giving contracts to guys who lose and guys who i poke their opponents every fucking minute of the fight i'm just gonna start it's not gonna make me want to watch it as much if that's the trend here so hopefully they they pause on that but all in all i can't complain about the actual quality of the fights that was awesome yeah they were really fun moving on on the rest some more fights from Saturday's card to talk about. Heavyweight action. Hey, now. Tom Aspinall, the number 13-ranked heavyweight. My guy. Sergey Spivak, the number 15-ranked heavyweight. Spivak is stepping in here on like a week's notice. So um, I guess, Dominic, I know how much you like Tom Aspinall here. But I want to challenge you and say, with a week's notice, does Sergey Spivak really offer any sort of danger to Aspinall, who seems like he's just the, the the caboose here that you don't want to get in front of the tracks. Right, right. I mean, it feels like the grappling is going to have to be the biggest thing here for Sergey in terms of a route to victory because we've not seen Tom get tested too much. I mean, we saw it a little bit in the Arlovsky fight, but he inevitably got the submission victory anyway. But Sergey here is a guy that takes opponents down and he absolutely dismantles them on the floor with his ground and pound and just – laying on top of him with the pressure. So that's going to be the thing. I mean, his route to victory, clearly, I feel, is through the grappling. If he chooses to stay on the feet with Tom, it's it's not going to be good for him. Tom has some of the most crisp boxing you'll see in this top 15 now uh, in this heavyweight division, and that is or that is why he is rising to prominence so much. That's why he's in a co-main event slot in his fourth UFC fight, because he finishes people. I mean, this dude has 10 wins. And they're all via finish. He has 100% finishing rate. He's 3-0 and already in the UFC after coming in last year, early last year. So, you know, 
he's riding a high. And yes, it is a short or a short notice replacement. But as we kind of mentioned when we talked about this, I think on Monday, this fight seems kind of like a better fight than him versus Sergey Pavlovich. And maybe that's just because we haven't seen Pavlovich fight in so long. But that's beside the point. Again, if Sergey can come out and get the fight to the ground, that's where we'll finally get to see Tom Aspinall really face some true adversity. And that's what kind of makes it a, a little bit more exciting for me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I still don't know how to feel about Spivak versus Pavlovich, like kind of which opponent might give Aspinall a harder time or what's the better fight. I like that Spivak has just been more active over the last mm-hmm. couple of years while we've yet we haven't seen Pavlovich in like two years at this yeah. point. I mean, so like Aspinall getting a win over Pavlovich, would that even if it was a Pavlovich on a full camp, I don't know if I would have a better sense of how good Aspinall is right now with that win yeah. or with the win over a one week notice Sergey Spivak. He's yeah. been more active, but we know that he is a he's a decent level fighter good top 15 heavyweight but probably not too much more than that at this point so pick your poison i guess on either way i don't see this fight being the one that really pushes tom aspinall if he gets a win here to to uh main main eventing his next fight or um whatnot but it is just kind of a necessary step here for him and I like that he's moving at a at a more cautious pace. Yeah, Sergey Spivak should challenge him into grappling, but at the same time, it, Aspinall has looked good in his submissions against yeah. Arlovsky, so maybe the challenge won't really be on Aspinall in that case. But I like the fight. I'm really intrigued by it. Yeah. I'm really just intrigued to see if Spivak can do anything here. I like Sergey Spivak, Polar Bear. But I really think this is like Aspinall's fight. So if Spivak can offer anything, anything at all, because I'm not 100% sold on Aspinall yet. I just mm-hmm. I need to see more challenges for him. You know, he's he's finished all these fights so quickly that yeah, you just there's just a lot. You want to that, see a guy like that get tested? You know? Yeah, you just I need to see him go a little longer. I need to see him get challenged in his grappling. He doesn't appear to have like one punch power for heavyweights. Like he doesn't have like the most power because he's more mostly just kind of getting the TKOs. Um, but like, I don't know. I just need to see a little more. I, it's, it's not a fault on him. It's, it's more so until I can really sit here and go, no, this guy's the next, the next big heavyweight contender. I need to see a little bit more just in action, in octagon time from him, I guess. Right. Um, after that, we have a couple prospects to highlight on on this card. Um, ne- I guess neither fight is really worth talking about too much because really it's one guy that we want to talk about for both of these. The debut of Patty Pimblett. The Patty. And Jack Shore also on this card, undefeated. So, Dominic, what are your thoughts on these two prospects? They're two of the brightest that the UFC has from the UK, and they both have pretty big placements here. Yeah, I mean, Patty Pimblett, a former Cage Warriors champion, kind of this young guy that talks a lot of trash. He's exciting in the octagon. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, Noah and I haven't really had the chance to really watch much because he is from the UK and we don't really get to see those types of cards that often. So this is going to be really refreshing for us to really see him get tested here in the elite organization 
for what it's worth, his opponent is pretty good, 9-2, and two, all finishes. So maybe it is a big test for him here. He's getting put right onto the main card in his UFC debut. Obviously, he's a huge name for this market, hence the reason he is on the main card here. I am excited to see how Patty will look in his debut. He's talked a lot of game. Can he back it up here when it matters the most? And then for Jack Shore, yes, a prospect. But this is a guy we've actually seen be tested in the UFC. And, boy, has he passed with flying colors. I mean, he's 14-0, 3-0 already in the UFC. This dude fighting out of – or he's, he's a Welshman. I don't know if that's the proper term, but he's Welsh. Um, and this man is exciting. He finishes fights 12 out of 14. And uh, Ludwig is a guy that was on this season of The Ultimate Fighter, which is interesting. He got beat in, I think, the semifinals – I don't even remember if he made it to the semis, but now he's still here in the UFC and he's fighting against Jack Shore. So that's an interesting matchup in itself for him getting the, the call that doesn't, here. That doesn't bode too well on paper yeah, for him. Yeah, because Jack Shore has shown to be a problem, especially in this Bantamweight division. He's really trying to catapult himself in with the elite here. So a big fight here for him. Again, Patty and Jack Shore, two of the biggest prospects from the UK. Very excited to see. Can Jack continue the momentum? Can Patty deliver on all this hype that he's been given? Yeah, Patty Pimlet's fighting Luigi Venramini. <laughs> I love the name oh. Luigi, by the way. <laughs> um, I think Luigi is 0-1 in the UFC, I believe. So it looks like they're really trying to set up Patty and Jack to get pretty big performances here. Um, I'm not saying that that's intentional. I'm just saying that's what it – on paper, that's really what you're looking at here. Both these guys should come in here and put on highlight real level performances. So anything less than that will be something to worth look into on Monday. If they if they don't if Patty comes in here and loses his debut, oh my gosh, like the, yeah, the presses are gonna be... the, the, the streets of the UK are gonna be on fire. <laughs> yeah. um, but Jack Shore is the guy I'm huge on, man. I love yes. Jack Shore. I think that guy is so talented and um <clears throat> I so I'm, I'm you know I it is going to be interesting though because we haven't. I've yet. I've never watched Patty Pimblett fight before. Yeah, it's the first time I'm ever so going to see him fight. <laughs> so there is a lot of interest in just okay. This is the guy that I've been hearing so much about for so long. You know, we were told we should have talked about his signing with the UFC, yeah. and I was like, okay, <laughs> like I don't right. know who this guy is. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm wondering. I wasn't watching closely back then, like I've mentioned, but I'm wondering how much this compares to anyone who was. Is this very similar to like when Conor McGregor got signed right. to the UFC? Like, is that is that what we're looking at here? Like, uh, you know, just what there was a lot of whispers and a lot of talk about this guy before he even walked into the UFC. So, if anybody has any thoughts on that, but they were watching very closely back in 2013, 2014, or whatever it was, just let me know. I'd be curious to know. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this card because. Even though we didn't talk highlight too many fights here, I think this is a card that's going to deliver in the octagon. Truly, yeah, I agree. You know, there's a lot of guys that feel very evenly matched on paper. Um, they're all in very similar positions in their career. A lot of middling fighters, a lot of guys that have lost a couple in a row or have had mixed records, but um, very fun fights, very fun fighters in these fights. And we highlighted a couple of the big prospects, but. There's just a lot on this card that I think we're going to be able to talk about maybe more on Monday. But for now, check it out. Early t- early start time's nice, you know. So I'll probably be watching a lot of college football, but I'll have it on as well. So there you go. Um, should be a good day. 
But that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the MMA Weekend Preview. Give us your thoughts on these fights as they occur. Um, next week will be a two-episode week, so we'll be coming at you on Monday and Friday. Uh, but Monday will be the next time we see you. Uh, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dsley 14 More <laughs> importantly, go follow, go engage with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at baj underscore MMA podcast. And, of course, if you're listening to this on Friday, well, really, whenever you're listening to this, don't forget that although we only had two episodes this week, we kind of had three because right now, go click Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast. I might even link it down in the description of this episode on all platforms. We were featured with them our first time ever guest starring, I guess is the way to say it, uh, on another podcast. So we broke down the Kevin James classic, Here Comes the Boom, which is about MMA. So, yes, the collaboration does make sense. Okay, just hear it here first. So go check that out. Show those boys some love. Let us know what you thought of that collab. Maybe we'll have some more in the future if there's any more MMA movies to discuss, that is. So uh, go check those boys out, too. Noah, get us on out of here. Well, I just want to touch on that it was a great time recording with those guys, yes. Trevor and Luke. Um, I thought it went so smoothly, like it's a blast. outside of my internet going out. Of course, <laughs> you guys, you guys will have right. to listen to it. You, you'll understand. But besides that, I thought it was an awesome time. Um, a lot of fun talking about that movie. You know, it's a Kevin James comedy, so even though um, you might be surprised by our thoughts on it, I think. Uh, we had a lot of fun making fun of some of the dumb stuff in the movie, <laughs> yeah. but also highlighting a lot of the good things as well. So um, let us know your thoughts on that podcast. Show them some love. Subscribe to them if you're interested in yeah. a movie review podcast. They're really good at what they do as well. So I uh, would love to see them get a boost. But, uh, yeah, for me, Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. Reach out to me on there. We had a guy, um, yeah. a viewer, who reached out to our personal Twitters about – Talking about a Giga Chikadze, um, me and him went back and forth on there for a little bit. Had a lot of fun talking to him. Just he yep. was showing me an Excel sheet, uh, which I always get real geeky with. When I see Excel and MMA, I'm I'm in. You got yeah. me. So if you want to engage with me on there, I'll I'll tweet back with you if you have questions. And um, even though I might take those questions for a later date. Like I did with um, our man when he was talking about Giga, I will be using that question for a future episode. But yeah. um, I will answer him on Twitter and go back and forth with you. I, I know Dominic will do the same if you reach out to him. So uh, you can do that again. Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. There's also in my bio a link that will lead you to the link tree, okay. which provides you a list of links to all the platforms that the podcast is on along with social media platforms. So the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. There's a couple links for the Anchor page. Shout out to Anchor, today's sponsor. Shout out. Um, leaving a voice message. Do it. Please. Do it. We want six voice messages a week. No, I'm just kidding, but one would be nice. Do it. Do That's it. All. Yeah. <laughs> what no? I'm just I'm just trying to make Dom uncomfortable over there. Uh, I, I am. I am. I am. <laughs> but uh, leave a voice message, please. It'd be awesome. Just if you have thoughts on 
any fights upcoming, any fights that have already taken place. If you have any questions, you just want to say hi, whatever, we'll use it, put on the podcast. Um, also, you can uh, donate the small sum of $1.99 or more, more to the podcast. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast or, um, you know, like getting better internet. I don't know. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're out, and we'll see you all on Monday.